Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. understand that the message of the cross is very often offensive to those who would reject it and stand against it. And God help us if we begin to water down the message for some temporary comfort of any man or to conform even to any new or revised law of our own land. We cannot water the truth down. And it's past time for you and I as believers to take a stand for what we believe in and for who we believe in. As our society drifts further and further away from its Judeo-Christian roots, believers in Jesus will be persecuted more and more in the United States. However, we should never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In today's message from Luke chapter 6, Pastor David admonishes us to never water down our faith for temporary acceptance. We must continue to stand firm and never waver from the truth. While suffering may endure for a little while, we will receive a crown of reward for never faltering the day we meet our King. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Building on the Solid Rock. Jesus was surrounded by a multitude of people everywhere that he went. And here on Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, he was surrounded by a multitude of people. And within that multitude, there was that inner circle, that inner circle of those that we call the disciples. He called them as his apostles. Those were those men that he was going to send out to further his kingdom's work once he ascended back to the Father. They were there. They were clinging, I believe, on every word as he taught them. Beyond that inner circle came those beyond the twelve, but yet were true followers of Christ, really hungered and thirsted for the things of God in their life. We, we know that after Jesus ascended, there were 120 in the upper room. There was probably a multitude of others that were really hungry, really desiring the things of God. The teachings that Christ was giving was really impactful to their lives, but they were beyond the twelve. There could have been hundreds of those. Beyond that circle were those that were just curious. Here comes this rabbi, he's, he's, he's feeding the hungry, he's healing the sick, he's giving uh, sight to the blind, he's allowing the lame to walk again. Wow, I want to be there because nothing like this ever happens in my village. And so I want to follow this guy around. But they're really not interested in the teaching of the kingdom, they're interested in the free lunch and free health care program. That's why they're there. Beyond those are the antagonists, and we've talked about them quite a bit, the the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, those that clung on every word that Jesus spoke, not in order to hear it for their own life, but to find a way to be able to bring charges against him. Luke chapter 6, we're we're down to the very end of this portion of Luke's chapter 6, that message, the Sermon on the Mount, Luke's version of it. We're in verse 46 this morning. 
invite you to take your Bibles, turn there, as we look at some very powerful verses as we end this portion, this Sermon on the Mount. In verse 46, Jesus speaks, and I believe that He's speaking, yes, to those who are His disciples, but I believe He's also speaking to those who are His followers, or at least those that said that they're His followers. And He says to them these words in verse 46. He says, Why do you call Me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things which I say? That ought to cause all of us to pause for a moment, doesn't it? He says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the storm beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Jesus was speaking here about the foundations of our lives. If you've been in church for very long, you've, you've heard the song, and not, not one of the songs we sang here this morning, but a song that might be very familiar to quite a few of you. The wise man built his house upon the rock, you got to do the hand motions, okay? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the house on the rock stood fast. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came. Some of you never went to Sunday school or what? Came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood fast. But the foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the house on the sand fell flat. Because the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand fell flat. That's right. You gotta end it that way. You gotta end it that way. You might think this morning as you come into this place that your life is doing just fine. That things are rolling along pretty smoothly in your life, at least at this time frame. Until the real storms of life come in like a flood. Perhaps you're in the middle of that flood this morning as you come here. I know that probably, well, let's see a a raise of hands this morning. Be brave. How many of you had storms and floods in your lives? That's what I thought. We're all familiar with that. I don't think you can live for very long without storms and floods coming into your life. Even as Pastor Robert alluded to this morning, this, this past week, We heard the news and some saw the horrific video of those 21 men that the terrorist group ISIS not only kidnapped and videoed, but beheaded these men on that beach there in Libya. All but one of these 21 were members of the Egyptian Coptic Church, and they were working in Libya trying to make a living for their families back in Egypt. They had left the the craziness of Egypt 
to go to even a crazier and more dangerous place, Libya, to work in the oil fields there in order to support their families. Many of these men left behind wives and children. One was a newlywed. And what he didn't know that before he left Egypt, his wife had conceived a child, which he'll now never see. Thirteen of these men were from the same small little village in the Minya province. And the, their, their church, their community, totally rocked by the impact of the death of these innocent fathers, sons, and brothers. You and I, and literally the world, we, we need to understand that this wasn't an attack on Egypt. It was a direct attack on Christians and Christianity. And as such, it was a persecution against Jesus himself. We know that because in the book of Acts, we know the story of Saul of Tarsus, who was going to Damascus to persecute the Christians. And Jesus stopped him midstream and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because when you're persecuting my bride, you're persecuting me. The terrorists made it very clear what they were doing in their video. They declared that those that were going to be beheaded were the people of the cross. They were followers of the hostile Egyptian church. That's what they said on their video. What wasn't reported in the news media were the prayers and the songs that these men sang as they faced their executioners, as they were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. They had been commanded to deny their faith, and yet they remained faithful to the end because their faith wasn't founded on the shifting sands of religious tradition, on empty ceremony, or political correctness. They were a part of the people of the cross. And they had a sure and a firm foundation. How about you this morning? As a side note here, it needs to be clear We need to understand. You need to understand. The world needs to understand. ISIS and these other Islamic terrorist groups, they plan and they target to assassinate and to terrorize Christian and Jews around the world. It was a kosher deli that was attacked in France, not an Arabic coffee shop. They purposefully picked out a kosher deli. And so a word of correction needs to be made to our president. Mr. President, it wasn't, as you said in your news conference, just a bunch of violent, vicious zealots who beheaded people or randomly shot a bunch of folk in a deli in Paris. Neither was it a random gathering of foreign workers who just happened to be Egyptian, who just happened to be members of the Egyptian Coptic Church, who just happened to be people of the cross. In the same way that that Delhi attack was targeted against the Jews, the Libyan assassination and execution was a planned out and directed attack on the followers of Jesus Christ. And for years... For years, we've, we've looked at this act of martyrdom and we've relegated it to the distant past or to an unknown future, an apocalyptic end of times. We may be beheaded for our faith. But beloved, we're in that time right now. 
We're seeing it right now, not just in other areas of the world, but it's coming. It's coming even to our shores, even within the boundaries of our own country. The cross is under attack. The gospel is being reproached in classrooms from elementary school all the way up to university settings. Our Christian faith is continually being challenged. And yes, unfortunately, even in the church, Even in the church, the word of God is being dismantled. It's being marginalized by liberal church leadership. And for them, the truth of God's word is no longer a truth. It's being reinterpreted by a godless society to fit their declining morals and to bring no offense to anyone. Oh, we mustn't offend anyone by saying, what is the truth? Beloved, we need to understand that the message of the cross is very often offensive to those who would reject it and stand against it. God help us if we begin to water down the message for some temporary comfort of any man or to conform even to any new or revised law of our own land. We cannot water the truth down. And it's past time for you and I as believers to take a stand for what we believe in and for who we believe in. But you need to realize that if you take that stand, it's going to cost you something. Salvation is free. But to walk in the truth of that light will cost you something. Maybe not death. Not yet. Maybe not imprisonment. Not yet. But it will cost you as your life moves further and further away from the flow of this present world and closer and closer in line with the call of Christ in your life. But you need to remember that the loss that you face through faithful obedience to Christ will be in those things that, that, that don't last anyway. And the gain that you'll receive in obedience to Christ is something that no one can ever take away from you. The words of James Elliott, a missionary down to Ecuador, who lost his life along with four others back in 1959. His words were these. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. So let me ask you this morning. At this present time, is your faith set on a sure and solid foundation? Is your faith founded and set on a personal, living, and vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if not, what are you going to do when the big storms come? What are you going to do if they told you, deny Christ or face execution? Oh, I'd stand for Christ. I'd stand for Christ. Oh, I hope and pray I do too. But the only assurance we have is if there is a real and true relationship with Jesus Christ in our lives and not just a busyness in religious activity. You see, if it was busyness in religious activity and they told those 20 men to deny Christ, oh, absolutely, absolutely. But because they had a personal relationship, they dared not deny the one who bought them. This whole section of Luke 
beginning back in verse 17 and on through through the end of the chapter as I've shared with you. It's, it's Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. We, we find a, a longer version of it in Matthew. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 speak a lot more in detail of what Jesus taught that day. But in both Matthew and Luke, they bring out the fact that what Jesus is talking about here is kingdom living. How you and I should be living our lives as members of God's kingdom. Jesus is teaching his disciples how that if they truly are the children of God, there is a certain expectation on how they should live their lives. And you know what? The same is true for you and I. If it was true for them 2,000 years ago, it's true for you and I. Here at Luke, Jesus asked a very pointed question, didn't he? And it's a question that you and I need to face. He says in verse 46, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say to do? It can't be any more direct than that, can it? You think, ouch, what, whatever happened to, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild? He's coming right to the point here. But it's over in Matthew's account, in chapter 7 of Matthew, that we see even, even a deeper statement that Jesus is making. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says to those that are around him, I believe the twelve that are there, as well as the others, as well as the others. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, Jesus isn't talking about a works-based salvation. But what he is saying is, is if you truly are saved, if you truly know me, then you'll do what has been commanded. If you love the Father, then you will willingly obey the Father. He goes on in verse 22 of Matthew 7. He says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, taught Sunday school in your name, served on the elder board in your name, taught from the pulpits in your name, ministered in vacation Bible school in your name? Haven't we done all of these things in your name? Okay, I added some things to that, but... Statement is still true, because verse 23, Jesus' response to all of them was, Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Because you see, Jesus knew their hearts, just as he knows each one of our hearts this morning here in this place. And he knew that they were busy about a lot of religious stuff. But the core of the whole matter needed to be relationship. Relationship with Jesus Christ. And they did not have it. They were busy about being religious. Jesus says, I never knew you. What do you do with a statement like that? What can you do? The problem is, is by the time you get that statement, it'll be too late. So I ask you today. Are you known by Jesus? Apparently, there was never a true relationship with Jesus Christ. A lot of religion, perhaps even good works, but there was no real living connection between those who were crying out, Lord, Lord, and to the Lord himself. That's why the question Jesus puts out is so cutting. 
cuts right to the very core. Beloved, the gospel has to have an impact on our lives. It must change us. For the believer, it's the very core, it's the very essence of who we are. And I believe that the church needs to be actively involved within our community and throughout the world. But you know what? You don't come here to join a community service organization. I also believe that the church needs to be a place where people can come in, be connected, be loved, be encouraged, and be challenged. But you don't come here to join a social club. The church is here to proclaim the message of the hope and the forgiveness found in Christ. To assist each of us in our walk in Christ. To challenge each of us in obedience to Christ. And to surround each other in the love, the very essence of Christ. And if we're not doing that, then we fail. It's just a big fail. We fail because we fail in equipping and preparing people for the storms that will inevitably come on every life. These are storms that no social club, no community action group can ever prepare you for. These are storms that require that you and I have a sure and a solid foundation. And that's why Jesus told his disciples there, both in Matthew as well as here in Luke, whoever comes to me and hears these sayings and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the Stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. So you're going to build a house, eh? Then you need to be willing to take the time and to pay the price for setting a firm foundation on that house. And throughout the scripture, it speaks of those who are followers, who are truly disciples of Christ, how we are a building. We are a building of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's not a brick and mortar thing that Jesus is worrying about here. He could care less whether this physical building cracks down. Well, okay, he probably does care, but it's not, he doesn't care as much as he cares about your life. It's not brick and mortar that we're speaking about. It's the spiritual life of those who say that they're followers of Jesus. And you have to be willing, you have to be desiring to take the time and to pay the price to seek the Lord with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You have to be willing to pay the price to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You have to be in consistent and continual communion with Him throughout your day. You have to be willing to be a servant, willing to serve the Lord and His kingdom's work. You need to be consistently choosing to walk in obedience to the Word of God and to His commands. None of those things come to us naturally, do they? We have to purposefully choose in our life. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Next, Jesus speaks of the one who wouldn't take the time. He wouldn't pay the price to set the foundation. He says in verse 49, he says, But he who heard... And did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation. 
against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to TheOpenWord.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at TheOpenWord.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that The Open Word is a missionary work? It is! We need your support as we share God's Word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.